Hello and welcome to The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. I'm your host, Dr. David Hardy. And today on our show, we've got another amazing guest. She is a Stanford nine-time NCAA All-American, a prominent businesswoman in the corporate wellness world, having designed and instrumented the original wellness programs for Google, Cisco, Yahoo, Safeway, and the co-owner of a wellness and event center in the beautiful Santa Cruz Mountains. Welcome to the show, Patty DeVeers. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. This is exciting. Uh, it's great to reconnect. We were on the same panel for the Brain Capital Innovation Summit um, back in uh, back in end of May, I guess it was. Yeah. Um, but anyways, you are this great influence on the corporate and business wellness side of things. And companies with workplace wellness programs in place have reported 66% productivity increase, 67% increases in employee satisfaction, and 63% increase in financial stability and growth, and about half a decrease in absenteeism. Uh, what have you noticed in kind of your experience in this world and uh, how did you kind of get involved in, in it and uh, how, where has it taken you? Well, thank you for the, for the question. It's a lot of questions. I'm sort of rolling yes. into one. Um, I had an opportunity after graduating from Stanford to um, do some personal fitness training. I wasn't sure what I was going to do um, because I didn't know where my passion was at that point, but I knew I wanted to work with people and I had the background in, in athletics. And as I started to meet people in the corporate world and see some of their needs, building those first fitness centers and wellness programs um, really gave us a sense of community within the organization that um, right. meant a lot to a lot of people. And that community is, a, is I think, what has kept me in the worksite wellness realm, is allowing people to connect with each other, whether it's through an exercise class or a mutual learning or um, an educational event at lunchtime. It's about connecting with yourself and, and others in um, a playful way. And that's right. what's always worksite wellness to me is how do we create an environment where people feel cared for and they feel cared for by their employer. Right now, there's there's been a lot of distrust with um, a lot of the mandates that have come down and all the trainings that all the employees have to take. And the best worksite wellness programs in the world aren't going to alleviate the stress that some of these programs are causing and the time commitment and the, the strain of mandates. Right. Now, kind of walk us through what a corporate wellness program would look like um, for like a giant like Google. There's got to be such a diversity of activity levels in, in some of these tech companies from people who are into like the biohacking world to people who are sedentary and uh, on their road to a disease process. Um, how do you kind of manage and work with all of these uh, different uh, kind of types of people and different fitness levels? 
um, in, in my ideal world, um, you listen to the employees, you listen to really what they want, and then you craft the environment to set up to support them. I remember the early days of Google, um, we used to joke around the Google 15. I remember the early days of Google, um, we used to joke around the Google 15 because there was, I think the rule was there had to be a snack food bar, which meant a lot of junk food within 50 every employee. And so, you know, it was laughable, but it wasn't because we knew that employees were suffering by gaining that weight, by sitting at their desk for long hours and would compensate by giving them something else to do. And so in my ideal world, yes, you have a variety of things um, for a variety of people and you help them um, create the goals that they want, design their own life by the way they think about their things but the way they think about their life. As you know, neuroplasticity allows us to craft a life we love by setting the intention for happiness, setting the intention for the way we wanna feel in our lives. And we can do that regardless of, of our circumstances around us. And so giving employees the tools that they need to um, have better outcomes and better productivity in their lives, regardless of what the programs are, that some of these programs offer because Google offers a lot of different programs and a lot of different things from massage therapy to more spiritual conversations and classes on meaning and purpose. And so there's a lot of different things to choose from and helping employees understand what's important, I think is key. Absolutely. So what were kind of some of the tangible results you saw with this program then? Um, yeah, fighting the urge to go to the snack cart that's right there for you um, to, okay, yeah, you can be empowered and have this greater sense of feeling and being. Um, what did you see with your program and how did you overcome some of these challenges then? Well, I'd, I'm not sure I've seen a lot of um, us overcome our challenges. I think that hmm. all of us know what to do but we don't know how to consistently do it because there are so many distractions. There are so many things out there. So if I'm going to talk just from a, a viewpoint of, of my own experience, um, I've worked in different organizations and brought programs into different organizations, but I'm going to come down to, to me as a person and how um, I believe from my experience, we can all get healthier. I think right. up until now we've struggled because even as experts in the field, even as wellness experts, and I've been learning and growing and reading books nonstop for the last 30 years, right. I still, my behaviors don't always align with the person I want to be. And, you know, I think most people can acknowledge that even if we don't want to, that we, we don't always live up to our ideals. And a lot of that has to do with our, um, a lot of our subconscious and conscious thoughts. 
And so if we say, oh, I can do this, I am, I'm going to eat healthier, I'm going to do all these things in the morning, and by mid-afternoon, we're tired, we are thinking, oh, it doesn't matter, I'm not going to lose the weight anyway, I might as well just have some ice cream, and then I might as well have something else, our thoughts will take us off course. Right. And so willpower really is kind of just an initiator, and then in long term, it's weak. It's kind of weak because it's dependent yeah. upon how much sleep you got last night. It's dependent on um, how you're feeling, how much energy you have. And as we're, we're learning, um, I just um, became an ambassador for a program that's actually up in Canada. And we are looking at how we train people to be neuroliterate. And okay. that neural literacy is on a step to being, you know, um, to be having mastery over your mind and, and your thoughts and how your thoughts are either productive or counterproductive. And so to me, neuroplasticity and neural literacy are going to change the way we create the life that we love because the, the, the separation from what we love in our life and what we have in our life that's where the stress comes in. That's right. where the unhappiness is, is that yeah. gap. And so as we use techniques more consistently, like gratitude that bring us closer to what we have and being able to find meaning and purpose in where we are and looking forward, then we can start changing our thoughts about our lives and start being able to um, use it to craft the life we love. Right. Now, that's extremely interesting, especially with your background. Um, obviously, yeah, scholarship to Stanford, NCAA nine-time, All-American, and you've noticed you struggle with things. Um, it can be mood, it can be environmental and distractions. Um are these wellness programs designed to kind of set up the environment in a way that people can be less distracted then? And uh, how does the neuroliteracy kind of intertwine with how a business could develop some of these programs then and implement them for success? So, um, Certainly what we're working on um, and what will be launched this fall is um, what we're calling a basic neuroliteracy program to teach people how to start being mindful of their thoughts, start looking uh. at their thoughts as either productive or counterproductive. And so um, absolutely, we, we all go into funks. And I love using the research. And what I've started to see is this beautiful intersection of um, positive psychology tools and tricks that we now have research that shows that they work and basic, beautiful spiritual spirituality practices that have been used and known about for centuries. And when I say spiritual, I, I don't connect that with religion. I've completely right. separated religion from spirituality, but to see that the power of say forgiveness that has been used for centuries in the spiritual world is now shown by research to be a very positive influence in our lives and to say, say things like meditation and the science behind that that have been used. 
And as we, we look and see all these things that make our lives better, but yet we are consistently suffering, that's where I start looking at the research in terms of behavior. And so the research by Sonia Leiber-Mirsky, I think is one of my favorite pieces of research where she looked at those people who became paraplegic and another group of people who won the lottery. And what right. she saw was that within six months to a year after the incident, whether they won the lottery or they became paraplegic, they went back to their exact same happiness level that they were beforehand. So really? what, wow. what neuroplasticity means to me and neuroliteracy means is that we can change that set point because what the research shows is regardless of what happens to you, good or bad, your basic happiness happens right between your ears and the way you think about your life. And so neuroplasticity and now neuroliteracy, which is a way to learn how to think different thoughts about your life, is a really powerful way to start crafting the life you love, literally crafting to be closer to where you are as you move to where, to where you want to be. Right. Absolutely amazing. Now, a lot of this too... Um... I kind of see it as being the thoughts to get us motivated and to do something then and to overcome things um, and the mindset and using the tools of meditation mind, mindset to do this. Um, have you also seen it the other way, though, that with the physicality and the movement and the exercises that you're seeing a change in the mental function as well, though? I, absolutely. And this is where I may get a little bit of a woo woo. Mm -hmm. And I will say two things. One is a little bit of an adjustment to what you just shared, yes. because I am starting to believe as I'm integrating all of my thoughts about the research and that spiritual, spiritual point, because over the last three years, I've literally spent thousands of hours pulling weeds on the hillside and moving my body and feeling the energy flow through my body in a way I never understood before. Realizing wow. that you know, my body is this amazing thing that healed from back surgery, that allowed me to be an athlete, that allows me to walk and see the world. And it is the only vehicle I'm ever gonna have in my life. Right. That I am a spiritual being who has been given a bodily life and world because I have this body. Yes. And when I feel that way, when I can get up in the morning and remind myself that, wow, this is the gift, this body, this, this body that I have been beating up for years saying it's not good enough, that it hurts and it's ugly and it's this and it's that because of my insecurities that I've done damage to myself by putting myself down on over and over and again. And the, the moment I could look at my life and realize that, yes, I'm a spiritual being in this body that is my one and only, then that I start eating better. I start being gentler with my body. I start being gentler with my thoughts. And when those beliefs change, all of the other stuff gets easier because right. I want to take care of this. If you had a, a million dollar car, I promise you, you're not going to put junk food in it. I promise you, you're going to take very good care of it. And yet our bodies, we tend to take for granted. Right. And that is so fascinating. Uh, 
also coming as that athletic peak performer type mentality, uh, especially when we're younger, we don't really see the spiritual aspect as well to, to this meat sack that we're, we're embodying. And two, so much of athletics is pushing things past the point that it can handle. And there's injuries, there's overtraining. And how does a really peak performance athlete take themselves from that mentality to the well-being side of things? Um, that's also kind of one of these things that's not talked about is that we, we always look at the athletes and that this is going to be a great thing. And then you've got the weekend warrior that comes out and overtrains, overdoes it and can't move on Monday. Uh, what's kind of the shift there in mentality that needs to be communicated as well then? Listening to our bodies is so important. And so I remember being an athlete and pushing through things. And sometimes you can push through it, but knowing what your body can and can't handle. I was able to push through things and I rarely got injured. And understanding your body enough to know what it's capable of. Um, a couple of years ago, I decided I was feeling really good and I decided I was going to go do a handstand. Right. Well, I haven't done a handstand in so long. And I pulled something and I thought, okay, what was I thinking, first of all? And my mind was in the right place, but my body wasn't. And just, you know, remembering that our bodies age with us and we can keep them soft and supple and, you know, flexible, which I really recommend. Um, even just five minutes of movement every morning and five minutes of movement every night, if that's the best you can do and just full range movement because things get stuck in our body, energy gets yes. stuck in our body. And I know that's the woo woo stuff, <laughs> but when we move our bodies, when I pulled those weeds, that was all the energy, that frustration that I've harbored and kept inside of myself for so long that it, you know, it has a way of dampening your spirit. There's a really good quote, and I keep it on my desk, if I may read it. Yes, please. It's by Emily McDowell, and it's called Finding Yourself. Finding yourself is not really how it works. You aren't a $10 bill in last year's winter coat pocket. You also are certainly not lost. Your true self is right there, buried under cultural conditioning, other people's opinions, and inaccurate conclusions you drew as a kid that became their, your beliefs about who you are. Finding yourself is actually returning to yourself, an unlearning, an excavation, a remembering of who you were before the world got its hands on you. Nice. I love it. Now, a lot of this mentality and before the world got your hands on you, um, the same type of mentalities out there in the business world, and especially at the, the competitive drive in Silicon Valley that, that you've been a part of, um, the, the laptop warrior who's spending way too much time on the computer trying to type in the next thing that's going to move their career forward. Um, how, is, how have you seen this well-being translate into actual increases in productivity in a world that's trying to squeeze every little drop of productivity unsustainably? I think 
different people still want different things. And for those people whose values align with a lot of money, um, a big house, cars, material possessions, they're going to do whatever it takes to get those possessions. They right. will find out shortly with everyone that their happiness will go up for six to months to a year, probably <laughs> less on a new car once it gets you know dinged a few times, but that the real um, happiness, again, you know what what we're thinking in our head, that happiness comes from understanding yourself and finding out why you wanted that new car, and right. understanding that that new car. If, if somebody is asked maybe why, and we'll make this up, right? Somebody wants a new car, that's going to make them happy, right? Why is it going to make you happy? It's going to get me to my job. It's going to, you know, it's flash. I mean, we need a basic car, right? If you need yes. a basic car, you get to work, right? But if you need that big, that Lamborghini, well, why do you need it? Well, a, a less expensive car would get you to point A to point B. So that's not exactly why you need that one. And so you ask again, and that question might be, well, I feel, I feel good in that car. Okay. Why do you feel good in that car? Well, it makes me right. feel like I have money and I get this acclimation. And, and at the end of the day, we can boil down everything into, it makes me feel valued and yeah. no external thing will make you feel valued unless you value yourself. You, right. your valuation is only dependent on your own value. Somebody can tell you every day of your life that you are loved, that you are special, that you are cared for, and you will never believe it until you believe it in your own heart. And that's wow. where well-being, I believe, exists. Now, was there a bit of this in yourself during your journey? Uh, I know you had an amazing company that sold for Five million or, or something. So three, three, it was up three, there. Three point, yeah, three point one. Wow. Three point so two. Yeah. You must have been in the grind yourself there for many years, and especially with all the success you've had, comes a lot of periods of of uh, really grinding away, moving a lot of setbacks. Um, what kind of embodies what you're saying now with uh, what you've experienced then? Certainly, I experienced burnout on more than one occasion. I would go and push myself and do move on to the next thing um, without breaks. And burnout burnout's real. And I had been there several times. And one of the things, the theme that always came up with my burnout was this unsettled, I need to do this to prove myself. I need uh -huh. to do this to make so-and-so happy. I need to do this to uh, build my career. I need to do this. It was always outside myself. My push was always for something I needed outside myself. And as I pulled those weeds for those months turned into years, <laughs> because it's so therapeutic, it's just beautifully therapeutic. Um, and the, and the, because it's not just clearing the weeds, it's creating a new space on top of it for uh, yes. delightful living. I have put in over the last three years, over 420 steps on this property that winds down to these little areas that I've carved out to be, you know, there's a, an area I call forgiveness. There's an area I call perspective. There's gratitude. 
there's flow, and then there's what I call the cauldron of transformation, which is inspired by um, uh, the oh, Blackie's book, um, Sharon Blackie's book, If Women Rose Rooted. And it's, you know, I just, that's the name that keeps sticking with it because it's the right. place where the weeds go and the water flows down into the forest. Um, and that's where I can release anything that is um, a struggle for me. And it, it just, it's the place to do it. Absolutely amazing. And it does sound like you're crafting the, the life you love and have wanted. Um, walk us through kind of, again, how you've integrated this into the experience and where you feel like you're at now, um, not just with the wellness center, but the feeling around everything in your life then. I know you've touched a bit on it, but let's, let's hear even more. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, I've really, you know, as I, as I stated earlier, it's, it's, it's finding out for yourself how you want to feel every day. Yes. And some of us were conditioned as children. And I will say that I absolutely was to a condition of high alert and high sensitivity, specifically to my mother. Uh, and so I learned to always be on the lookout for other people's emotions and feelings. And if there wasn't some level of agitation, it didn't feel normal. And uh, so I know that I was addicted to that feeling because that's what love felt like. I didn't know any other way. I didn't know that I could feel peaceful and joyful and forward looking into opportunities with curiosity in this peaceful, beautiful state, because that didn't feel normal to me. I must be missing something. I'm going to drop the ball on something. If I feel at peace, there's something I'm going to, I'm going to drop. And it wasn't a comfortable feeling for me. And so the more I got in tune with, wow, wouldn't it be great if I could feel that peace on a moment to moment basis and enjoy sharing my gifts instead of feeling obligated to, what would that look like? How could I show up in the world in a very different way? There's a remarkable short clip movie and you can find it on conscious.is. You can go to their resources and drop down and it's the very first video. And it talks about living a life below the line, which is in fear or above the line in curiosity and love. And it's research-based. I use it um, pretty much now on every presentation I do about life and, and how we want to live. And I am reminded of that. When I get below the line, I watch it and just laugh at myself and get to get back above the line. And what I really believe, um, you know, this company, this company also in Canada, Next, is doing is helping us more consistently stay above the line, teaching nice. us how to rewire our brains so that we can live in this place above the line. It was fascinating to me. Um, and they, and they haven't launched yet. Next hasn't launched yet, but if you want to follow me on LinkedIn, I'll be, you know, giving updates when they actually do. But I, 
got involved in the company because after these three years of pulling weeds and contemplating my thoughts and watching how my thoughts made an impact on other people, you know, watching your energy as we talk, you light up at some certain points and you, I can tell you're hearing it. And my hope is that your energy is higher after this conversation than lower. Right. And as we get with that, those are the kinds of things that we can look for in people. And so I, I, you know, was going along fine in my life. And I had a phone call with an old friend who mentioned this company and said, you know, you might be interested in it. And as I took their first basic neuroliteracy class, I felt as though somebody had been in my head over the last three years, that they understood this place that I've come to on this, this, this bridge that connected what I had just learned to science and to an easier way for somebody else to do it that yes. made sense. And I, I told them that I said, I'm in, I feel like somebody has been in my brain for the last three years and you're serving up something that I can have a vocabulary and actually talk to people about my experience that I couldn't have articulated before. I knew that in some ways, what I had learned was how to operate my mind to right. understand more the operating system of my mind, but I couldn't for the life of me understand how I was going to explain that to someone. Wow. That's impactful. And looking forward to this, uh, when could we maybe expect the next little nugget to come out then on LinkedIn with you? Well, I'm going to be posting my ambassador role with them today. Um, okay. We just got off the phone earlier today. And then um, I believe by um, October, early November, there will be more, possibly before that. I'm speaking at Wellcoa, um, which is the, the Wellness Councils of America, their annual conference in San Diego on September 27th. I'm going to be Fantastic. announcing that um, probably today or tomorrow as well, that that has just come out, that I'm going to be doing that. And I'm going to be talking about neuroplasticity and I'm going to be talking a lot about the things we just talked about today. So thank you for the opportunity because I'm, I'm working on my story and how I want to share that. So if you have feedback for me by which parts of this conversation were impactful or I may want to include in that keynote, then I am all ears because that this is exactly the story I want to weave into um, positive change because I want to be in a community where we all lift each other up. And if I'm going to do that, then I need to start by lifting other people up. And I know for a fact that when we lift each other up, we're both going to rise together yes. and we're both going to, and we, we can build whole communities that are supporting each other. Um, we live in such a divided, scary world right now, but we can change it one relationship at a time. Nice. So you've got this company next that you're working with. You've got this mm -hmm. conference with Welco coming up. What other things are you working on at the moment? Um, I'm going through, you know, so there, there's almost two separate things. I'm sort of involved in some of the, um, some consulting with Next because I'm okay. so excited about it. But separately, yes. I am going through their training. So I, I just finished their basic neuroliteracy training. I'm now um, into their fundamental neuroliteracy training, which is 11 weeks 
and I meet with a guide every week for those 11 weeks. And then I'm planning to do their uh, train the trainer, which is the next training. And then um, teams training, which okay. is all about leading teams with it. So those are the things that are keeping me really busy right now. And, and certainly the property, um, follow me on Instagram if you like wildlife, because it's getting into the dry season, which means our bobcat has been back the last few nights. Oh, nice. Our possum is out there. Um, some birds will come eventually. We've had owls and red-shouldered hawks and, of course, the deer. So um, if you like that sort of thing, that's the other piece that lights me up. And, you know, if if I can leave you with anything, do more of what brings you joy and find ways to manage the rest. Absolutely. And what a picture you just painted of, of the of the wellness center you have that, yeah, you can be looking out on, over this beautiful deck into the Santa Cruz mountains and you're looking at all sorts of wildlife and just in peace and calm. And what a setting for, for all the work you're doing as well. Um, you mentioned LinkedIn, you mentioned Instagram. Uh, what would be the handles and what would be the other ways people can find you then? So um, just my name, Patty Perper um, on LinkedIn, I believe Patty Perper DeVries. Um, and then on Instagram, it's livingwellca for California, livingwellca. Excellent. Definitely reach out to Patty and look for those updates because this is going to be big. And for everyone listening in, Stay tuned to the next episode of The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. Take care. 